welcome to We Talk as One. My name is Arielle Free, and this is the first ever thought leadership series from Defected Records. And it is my privilege to have your attention at a time when we think conversation within our community about our culture has never been more important. We Talk as One is going to be bringing together over 20 leaders from the music industry and beyond and to give their time and brilliant minds on a variety of subjects in and around the state of dance culture, music, promotion and nightlife since the pandemic began. Now our aim is to come up with progressive, practical and hopefully hope-filled thinking and a chance to elevate issues but also to attack the problems as we see them and this series is going to be running, there's going to be four panels through until Friday the 18th of December. Our round table today is pretty special. We've got an amazing lineup for you and we're going to be chatting over the next 45 minutes or so. I know it's 45 minutes because I've been told I have to cut it off then. Uh, but today is all about the changing sounds. So we want to ask a question about whether dance music production is changing as a result of the pandemic. Are artists collaborating more with audiences uh, than they are with one another? As we can't hear music like techno in club environments, should we expect more melodic music and slower tempos to come through or might we see an increased focus on songwriting uh, infiltrating the club music of tomorrow are we preparing for the worst or are we on the cusp of something special now joining me on the panel i have the wonderful dj paulette whose career has spanned over three decades i'm joined by monkey dj and broadcaster label owner and footballer uh, we have founder of defected mr simon dunmore i have tindy babalola one half of future cuts and a super producer i have yusuf DJ and producer and founder of Circus Recordings and most recently campaigner for saving our nightlife, which led to a royal invitation. And I have Brian Tappert, co-founder and managing director of TrackSource. Right, now I've got that out of the way and I've taken a breath. I'm going to get straight to it. Um, how is everyone? All good? Yeah, all good here. Super. I'm excited for this conversation. Um, now I'm going to come to you straight away, Simon, because I believe this whole subject actually came from a brief conversation that you had with your colleagues at Defected about, if at all, how dance music is changing because of this pandemic. What would you? What was your opinion on that? I just. Um, um, you mentioned that techno uh, you know, is a very difficult genre of music to to play, and, and maybe people aren't consuming techno in clearly in the way that they used to and I don't know if it necessarily translate if you're watching a, a live stream into your living room etc so I believe that that's led to many DJs playing more as you say song based records a lot of classics digging deep um, and I just wondered whether that would give them if, if when when people go back to clubs whether they would have the appetite to hear more song based stuff even within a you know a techno based arena whether DJs are prepared to take more chances on that level and you know even when when uh, when the clubs were open I'd see you know a, a techno DJ playing and they'd play something like Pete Ellis Big Love and the club would just really elevate quite massively and I just wondered whether um, that kind of scenario may be more prevalent uh, when we go back to clubland. I, I would second that i i think what i've been seeing in the last six seven months of um lockdown djing streams that kind of thing is that techno seems to i mean it's still got massive 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 crews behind it 
massive public um even towards the 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 illegal parties and everything that's it's still really healthy really vibrant and everything but in production wise i'm seeing a lot of the producers doing collaborations with vocalists first of all like Rowetta's been doing a lot you know not necessarily techno but she's worked with Salado I think she's worked with you yourself yourself mm. um and we're seeing a kind of a collaboration with soulful and techno coming through more because I didn't really used to see vocals on techno music at all really for the last two years maybe I'm not buying the right music specifically but I think I've seen a lot more of that and then with producers like either Ben Hemsley or Patrick Topping they're making music in one way you've got like the hard techno and then you'll get another style which is another side of them which is funkier or like Ben Hemsley will put out blind which is like a mad not even particularly pop vocal but it's a lot more commercial than techno and that they've got they're using the these like the two sides of the brain now more than the just single-minded one side heavy beats but you can correct me on that yes but I like I'm seeing a lot more um melodic and soulful strands coming into the music and I think it's going to be difficult playing like hard techno music when we come out of lockdown anyway because you're just not even allowed to do that so there has to be some give somewhere with it getting a little bit slower and a little bit sexier absolutely <clears throat> i mean i i would definitely go on from that personally well quite some time ago before lockdown i i've made a, like a conscious decision rather than just making uh, like four track eps to make records that matter that, that, that are going to stand the test of time, records that are, are released on circus that you're going to look back in, in 20 years, and similarly with the records I've made, but particularly since lockdown, <clears throat> because obviously there's no club audience, um, you have to almost rely on um, Spotify audience in some ways. So I've, I've adjusted my uh, output in terms of... Um, well, the way I describe it is kind of gnarly vocal records, mm -hmm. so they're kind of still chunky enough for like kind of almost the, the techno uh, house crowd, but vocal records as well. Yeah. And it's worked really well because I've got a whole catalogue of them <clears throat> ready and what I think is kind of the most significant music I've ever made. And similarly with the with the record label. But again, it's not singularly just down to just the vocal and um, and the back and track. It's almost down to... to the quality of production, spending more time on things, and mm. um, even kind of having a much, much more accomplished mix down, just to kind of have the dynamic range much wider, and then obviously the, the audience eyes, hopefully much wider, within the same almost boundaries what I've set myself. But I've, I've knocked them down too in some ways, and um, mm. like I say, I, I, I definitely <laughs> think it's going to be an exciting time for music going forward. I think um, when we come out of lockdown because people are being more patient with the records that they're make, making and rather than kind of rushing out these uh, disposable records that when we do get back on the dance floor, the quality is going to be, I like to think, the best the best of all time, if not like up there. I, I, so I agree with that. I think from my experience and people I'm speaking to, people are now more than ever willing to take chances. Mm. I think 
once you once you got to a level, I think everyone sort of creates their own set of rules, especially when you're on the road where it's like, I know that works, so I'll do that. And I'm not going to do that because people won't expect a certain thing from me. I think because you, no one is out on the road, it's like you're almost like making music for yourself. You're trying to inspire mm-hmm. yourself again. And I think, and then I think the cross pollination of different styles. I think that will come in where. I mean, I, I suppose I'm talking to people who know like the certain rips. Like, you can't use that height. You can't use that tempo. Or else it's not that particular genre. And I, I think that might be a little bit looser now. Where it's like, well, mm. if it's coming from me, and this is and it gives us the same sense of feel. Then who cares? Do you know what I mean? I think, I think that's really interesting that you said that because I think that's the way it has to go. Because the uh, I feel there's going to be this massive, or there has to be this massive cross pollinate pollination of ideas because one we can't always be that close to each other to work with people so if you're collaborating you'll work with the people that are closest Mm. to that you can pick up with and vibe with really quickly Um, and so it then doesn't become an issue of well you're into house that I can't work with you or you're into techno so I can't work with you it's like well let's just make something and see what comes definitely. out of it. I, I definitely think probably because of lockdown, I think everyone was stuck in their houses and usually look backwards, you usually get nostalgic, whether it's old photographs, old yeah. music. I think when you listen to old music, you realise how oh it is all cross pronation. Do you know what I mean? From mm. from house to techno. I don't know if the story is true about Joey Belcher wanting to make a house record and came up with just energy flash and stuff like yeah. that. And then how uh, shut up and dance we try to make hip-hop tunes and turn into jungle and yeah and all this yeah. was and it's like you can't not not get inspired inspired by that and have when you've got three months ago actually let me try that and and then you play it to a friend who then tries something and before you know it you've, you're making these little micro niches i think yeah it, and it, i think it's exciting i think it, yeah you're right i think it's going to be the most exciting it's been for 10 15 years i think that uh sorry I think that uh, traditionally, like uh, the music industry has always thrived in, in difficult periods. And it's because people look to it because it makes them feel better. So I think it's natural that at this time when we're doing whatever craft that is in the studio or as a record label, that you're gonna be hopefully trying to produce that positive vibe that people are looking for. And I think that's gonna naturally result in some of those things that you're talking about, Son. I see it already, to be honest. I asked my friend uh, this question the other day. He produces a dance show on Radio 1. Amazing. Um, and he said, yeah, I'm noticing that the majority of the music that we're getting sent now for dance shows are all melodic. Um, I think, to your point, Yusuf, you're right. You know, producers are getting almost forced back in the studio with a blank slate. I think it was easy to make disposable records before because you would go to a club and you would see what works and then you would just go back in the studio and just reiterate that. And so everything kind of started to sound similar in that sense. And now you're forced to go into the studio and there is no formula because there is no audience to play to in a live situation. And 100%, you know, music always gets really exciting after social crises, especially if you look like at the music scene sort of post-war, if you look at the music scene um, in the 80s when there was sort of mass unemployment and like Thatcherism, that's where music got really, really exciting. And this is sort of the next global crisis that we've seen since those. So yeah, it could be the most exciting time off the back of a really horrific one. 
I I also think that um, DJs not being on the road. I mean, you know, the DJs populate their release schedules with, with, with music. And if you're on the road and you're not, you know, when you're not on the road, you're exhausted, you're recovering um, and, and you're catching up with stuff and whatever. You've got less time to collaborate with people, to, to join up with people. And, and for me, the most exciting music is when people collaborate and take the sum of both of their contributions to the music to, you know, to be greater than, than the parts. Absolutely. And, and that is probably happening more. And, and you mentioned a, a show on Radio One, but I, I meant, I spoke to Danny Howard. I said, you're definitely playing more songs than what you used to. Mm. And he just said, I'm reading the room. And by that, I just took the fact that, you know, people are, uh, Yoshi mentioned the Spotify generation. People are consuming music off Spotify now. And what I am going, I am hoping that people see the value of, of making these kind of records because initially there was this misconception. Well, actually, initially it wasn't a misconception. There wasn't any revenue to be made from streaming. Yeah. There most definitely is revenue to yeah. be made from streaming now. We 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 see that constantly, even on records that we feel are you know maybe niche and maybe underground. They slowly get to a million streams. The algorithm kicks in. They slowly get to two million streams. You know, when you align that with the income you still get from downloads, if you're pressing vinyl, some radio play income, etc., the, the 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 value of making music is really evident at this moment. And I think with a lot of DJ producers, they didn't appreciate the value of mu of music. When that money starts to come back in, maybe the balance bit. You know, I used to get into. Dennis Ferry, you need to spend more time in the studio to eat everything. You need to spend more time. They were like, man, we make more money on the road. That necessarily yeah, no. that is not going to be the case, maybe. And that's mm. that's kind of what I'm hoping for, because we need great music to nourish the scene. It's really mm. important. It brings kids in. And I'm not saying there wasn't great music, but I don't believe there was the music with the longevity that no, there will be better music. There was from back in the day. Yeah, and I am old school, so maybe I look at it through in same. a different lens. But that's just my opinion of it. I'm going to so. touch on what you're saying about artists and collaborating because a few of you there talked about this formula and the kind of with the way it was set in stone. You go in the studio, you try and you try something, and then you get out. Do you think the way that we've now had time to sit down and be in the studio, and like you say, start from a clean slate, monkey? You said. Do you think that's helped artists collaborate more because it's kind of maybe broken down any sort of division or barriers? I mean, you said you said you've been working with people you hadn't worked before. Have you seen that amongst yourselves when producing and creating these this music? Yeah, um, 100%. Sorry, you carry on. <laughs> sorry, no, go on, you. Yeah, I was just going to say 100%. Um, I've seen, a, you know, a bunch of friends collaborate who, you know, wouldn't necessarily have collaborated before because maybe they just didn't think about it or maybe because their schedules were way too hectic to do so and so they only had a sort of very precious amount of time in the studio. Um, and, again, it's just breaking down, broken down so many barriers because like I said there's no there's almost no target audience now in terms of like clubbing it's just whatever you want and that has never really happened before in our lifetime and it always has been whatever you want essentially that's what being creative should be but also we do cater to our target audience and at the moment there just really there just really isn't one so there's so much more freedom than there was before for, for me, what, what, what's happened is we've gone back to the original point of what we're doing this for is to make music that's from your gut rather than kind of having a, having a, a functional purpose. 
Mm. And I, I'm I'm really happy that that functional dance floor purpose, um, like you mentioned before, monks is uh, is taken out of the equation. So what is being kind of written, the songs introducing well, what I'm doing is introducing a lot more musicians, songwriters, mix downs, and everything to to get a really finished, accomplished product of a record that means something to me <clears throat> and rather than kind of just functional and I I like to think that everyone is working with, with it with a, the same kind of mindset so like you say when we do get back I'm hoping that the scene is getting populated with the some of the best music we've heard in a long time. Mm. I, I believe that there's a reluctance from producers to put records into the market at this moment in time because they don't have a route to market. They don't have a route to their audience. They're reliant on less avenues than they have to, to get exposure for those records. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hoping for is that there's going to be a stockpile of great music that when we do get back out on the road and clubs open again, everyone's going to unleash. We just, you know, we talked about, Monkey, you were right, you know, in times of adversity, people get creative and music scene normally flourishes. I'm hoping that's going to be the case and we see the benefits of that, you know, and, and, and it's really, really important that we do have the benefits of that because people like Brian providing the service at TrackSource and, you know, those guys need to, great music to, to, to populate their, their mm, platforms. Pages. We need it as a record label. Mm, you need it as a it DJ. As Brings in brand new blood to the scene because mm. the, the whole scene is vibrant and healthy. That's kind of the moment I'm hoping for in, in, in nine months' time. That signal the end then of massive like techno hits if they've not got this like audience or this club environment. You know, we're so used to techno being in these huge establishments where we can really like be enveloped in it. But does that because we're talking about this more melodic and slower tempo coming through, no. that we're not see that anymore. I mean, techno is not my thing, um, but it's it's just you know it's omnipresent in clubland. You know, the big techno DJs, the appetite for techno will absolutely switch back on absolutely. the moment people are allowed to, to go absolutely. to clubs. Absolutely. You can see they like I'm just hoping that people take a few more chances is what I think may happen within their sets and be a little bit more adventurous. So there's more moments within a set rather than just be, a, you know, a relentless driven beat. But it's not my thing, so I can't, I can't, answer that with, with any kind on, of on that note ironically um, the most recent Adam Bayer record which he sent over well a few months ago now um, was melodic and almost yeah. almost housey um, it was called No Defeat No Surrender or something like yeah, that yeah. It, it's amazing uh, that someone that's known for the kind of quite um, precise techno has made something with real feelings um and you, you know you, you can't tell whether it's house or techno it's not tech house it's just feels great as a, as a piece yeah. of music so i found that really encouraging as well yeah i totally agree i mean it's just you know it's interesting you said that simon that you would hope that it's not a relentless like um knocking nails in set and i think you know like you, you said just people are making more considered music. You're making music from the gut and because you haven't got a crowd because people haven't got a crowd to test it on. And this is one thing I was gonna ask, even though you make this music, you don't even know what it's gonna do. How, how can you test that piece of music that you feel is so great? 
you know, you, you've got this end product, even when you put it on Spotify, you still don't even really know whether it's going to work or not. So what's the test now for that? Can I ask, sorry, can I ask Brian a question? Sure. Um, you, I mean, do you have the data, what kind of DJs are, you know, are coming to, I mean, you know, you, you said to me on a regular basis that your, your business has been really healthy in lockdown and DJs have been, whether they be bedroom DJs or club DJs, uh, you know, you, you have been downloading and purchasing music. Any idea, you know, whether their, whether your audience and, and uh, patronage has got broader during lockdown in terms of the type of people that are visiting your site? From the data that I can tell, I think it is definitely getting broader. Um, I would say, though, you know, our strength, you know, has always been focused on the, the music you're talking about, essentially, you know, house and, house and more social house, sound, yeah. disco, because that's just, you know, authentically where we come from and what we love and what comes out. But I would say, yeah. Okay, encouraging. Yeah. I, you know, there's another point to this, I think, that maybe everybody's also uh, not really catching on to is that, you know, some of the most significant changes in the world that happened with a combination of technology and timing and circumstances, right? Like the, the way the Internet came out, the way TrackSource was born, for example, uh, to fight piracy, essentially. <clears throat> and I'm making this point because... Uh, I'm sure Yusuf, you could agree that, um, and anyone who produces really, is that at the moment, uh, since I've been dabbling back into production and from when I stopped, maybe say 10 years ago, really, um, what I'm seeing is that it's just incredible the, uh, the tools that are out there today from a technological point. And I mean that in a way where in the same way Google Translate, like you couldn't really communicate with your friend who only spoke German, whatever, now you could put it in there. Well, musically speaking, there's so much technology out there that can help people create more musical and, uh, you know, things that we didn't have before. So the technology coming along with this period where people have time to experiment, I think is also a big, uh, big help. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, all these AI enabled plugins and and uh, some of the music theory software that's out there to help you play chords and uh, it's a pretty powerful time, I think, to be a producer. Definitely. I also think the, the remote collaboration, which has been forced upon us, and actually some people hate it, but for me, it's not been that bad. And, and that's enabled me to get in and work with uh, artists and producers who would never have been able to work with just because they're either on the other side of the Atlantic or they would have been touring. I mean, I've even, I even recorded a full orchestra in, in Budapest remotely. And it's like, wow. I, wow. I mean, I'm sure you could have done that last year, wow. but I just didn't know about it because yeah, yeah. I, would have, I would have just got a flight or done it in, in London. Or and just was, not done it. <laughs> yeah. So I was forced to do it. And it was like, can you actually do this? And you can yeah. hear it. And it audio movers, right? Using the audio movers plugin? Yes. Yeah, actually, we use someone else. I think we use SoundSource, but yeah, we do use audio movers as well. Um, but yeah, that's enabled. It's just, it's in terms of sessions, it's just shrunk the world. Like we used to go to America maybe three or four times a year to do uh, writing sessions. And it's like now we'd have to hire our own studio for a month, do it, and uh, uh, apartment to live in. And now it's just like, well, suppose we can just do it over. It's, it's made sense. And where you could have always done it, people were like, nah, I prefer to be in the room where everyone's had three or four months of doing it. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's write a song over Zoom or over Skype. And it's it's legit now. Wow. I mean, people have literally been writing hits over the past three or four months that way. 
Yeah, I think I think all of those points sort of like feed perfectly into the question in that do we think techno massive techno hits are gonna die a death? I think we can all agree that they're they're definitely not. But are they gonna sound different? They may do. Yeah. They sound very different. And one, because you know, like you said, Brian, we're using technology technology very differently. Um two, because we're forced into this situation of uh of bit of collaborating and being locked down into studios. And and three, I think if you would have asked DJs or producers a sort of two years ago when we were touring relentlessly, if you could, would you take a year off just to make music and then come back to being on the road? I'm pretty sure everyone would say yes. So and I, I also think the big records, I mean, I, you know, I, I am a little bit obsessed by looking at numbers and, and stuff. And so, you know, because I'm obviously still running a record label and, and it's really important to know where the market's, go, market's going. So I just looked at DJ Cozy Pickup, which is just a house record. It's not a commercial record. It's done 30 million streams on Spotify, just one version. 30 million streams. And I think if, if there's an edit as well, it's probably done another 10. So it's 40 million. So as a label, you get roughly £4,000 per return per million, give or take. So that's like 100 grand worth of revenue. I mean, he owns his own label. That's great business yeah. to be involved with. So, you know, to, to make those records that are landmark records that just pop above the competition and whatever, um, that's kind of what I'm hoping to see the, the value of. Because it's just like, I'm sure people don't look at, go on Spotify and look at their numbers like they do on a track source chart or a beatport chart or whatever. But the numbers are really fascinating in terms of what actually gets played. I don't see it adversely affecting the, the, the download sites. Our download income isn't, isn't done. It's a completely different, a different audience. different audience. It's a punter yeah. audience mm. rather than a DJ audience. It's yeah. completely parallel and it's another income stream that that maybe should be acknowledged and appreciated more within house you know within within dance music producers do you think the i completely agree sorry go on i was going to ask the records that were released this year like during the pandemic simon you touched on like, a lot of people are holding back from releasing music those tracks that actually did get released this year and only really had maybe a couple of outlets in the, t- in the shape of a social distance gig or whatnot do you think those records will still have an opportunity to really thrive next year when the clubbing scene does come back or do you think that's an option it's like kind of something that's going to stick with this year and then we'll all just move on maybe i think people will identify with certain records and they'll get played i will say that it has been difficult to promote music in lockdown Mm. and (laughs) i will say that i do believe that the numbers have been affected adversely we have no choice. We're a music company. We have to release music. If we stop releasing music and we don't have any events, we'd be out of business. So we have to go with what the, the cards that the market deals deals us. And we've, you know, we've managed to, to, to make it work. Uh, Tundi mentioned people being nostalgic. What has happened is there's been an appetite for our catalogue. Catalog. For, our, for our classics. And that has probably been our saving grace, in all fairness. Yeah, I mean, I am curious to know how um, it's it's like Ariel said, there are a lot of records that have come out this year that were great, but it feels like they will get lost next year. And it, it would be nice to feel like they could come back in some way. But how do you, you know, how do you make a record a hit in a pandemic? 
<clears throat> I've had a really tough time with, 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 with a few of our releases on Circus. You know, things that we expected, well, I expected to, to be much more uh, successful, even, even without clubs. And I mean, we um, ticked every single marketing box we could have on some of the records. One in particular, we really did everything. And obviously, the, the only real places it could do is obviously TrackSource, Beatport, and Spotify. And it just didn't Nothing. connect. Mm. Yeah, and, we, and it's, I still can't understand it, other than maybe it was more of a just a club record than, than, than I realised, even though it was a full vocal, you know, it was a, it was a big, big record by Bontan. And brilliant, brilliant record. One of the best record, records I've ever released, in, in my opinion. So, yeah, next year, uh, when the clubs are back, I will give it a, like a, a re-nudge, maybe a re-edit or a remix or something just to kind of re represent it and you know what um with my head held high rather than kind of re regurgitating i will do it with a few records because i feel um they deserve the the second uh, bite of the apple so to speak there's nothing wrong with that man that's that's traditionally sometimes it takes a few touch points before people sure. get it you know yeah, would it be especially if it's something different for you you know sorry would it be a case of putting together like a compilation, I don't know, like a pandemic, post-pandemic package, this is what you've missed? It's exactly what I'm doing, This yeah. is what's exactly, coming yeah. up, you know, doing a double header, this is what's coming up, this is what you've missed, here you go, double CD set, or, you know, 24-track streamer, you know, here you go, Circus 2020-2021. I'm going to do um, a series of four-track EPs, multi-artists because I, I feel any more than four tracks people lose the attention span that the audience do but yeah that, that i'm definitely going to aim to um represent also, also, sorry go sorry. on yeah, i was just going to say also it's almost like it's like it was 30 years ago when a track would be big on the underground everyone would be raving to it for three years and all of a sudden it go into the the pop world where the rest of the country would know about it i think that's the difference from what you're saying from like dedicated DJ sites and then massive streaming sites like Spotify. Yeah. So those songs are now evergreen and they'll all, it's like, whether it could be next year, it could be the year after, it's like one thing, one sync or one person likes it or one algorithm. And before you know it, you've got, you've got a massive hit on your hands and yeah, it is, it, it, it does kick off. And it, one thing I've noticed, it, it, especially over the past three or four years is on that side, it's like once you put a record out, you just got to let it go. It could take two years. I know people who didn't do anything in two years. It just got one little spark and that sparked mm. into a little flame and then it's a bonfire and then there are 150 million streams. Mm. And I think where at the DJ world, that would it's usually that it's your first go. It's, you've, it's not like if it doesn't blow the first time people start playing it, it's not going to blow two years later because everyone's on to the next one. In Spotify, it's not. It'll just last and continue streaming. So, so maybe this is the thing that the pandemic is going to encourage in a way is we're kind of backpedaling a bit to the slow burn promotion of music whereas that you know that's how it used to happen before where you'd have this organic growth of a track where you know someone would put it out and it's an underground bubbler an underground bubbler one person picks it up two people pick it up and it takes like um quite a lot of heat and quite a lot of plays before like a major or an independent label would pick it up so maybe we're kind of going back to that kind of you know 
people loving music for the sake of them loving music rather than having it shoved down the throat in it like a big party um environment once that's removed it's got to it's kind of more down to the punters now to make up their mind over whether it's a hit and not the business side of it maybe definitely i I think there's definitely that's that's creeping in definitely from from my side anyway I don't know if you guys have played any of those like sort of socially distanced gigs in this time. Well, I did one for the first time a few weeks ago, whatever. And it obviously was my first opportunity to play to people in real life. Um, and I got this folded together of all sort of like new, a mix of like new, new club music and, and some old stuff and some throwback stuff as well. And I just thought, great, this is a perfect opportunity for everyone to hear the new records um, that have come out during this time on a, on a sound system that gives them justice. And I started playing these tunes and, you know, they went down cool and obviously it's not a, a club environment, it's a sit-down environment. But then I started playing on occasion and I'd throw in like a vocal track or a throwback track. And it was those vocal tracks and the throwback tracks that people just loved. They just loved it because it made them feel something. It made them connect with something that they already know. There was a sense of nostalgia. They could sing along to it, even though we're not supposed to be singing. But <laughs> And it was amazing. And I ended up just playing like a throwback set for, for a couple of hours. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So it was strange. It was strange to test, but it was almost kind of beautiful to see to people really appreciate the, the old records, you know. Yeah, you've raised a point there anyway, in that, you know, as much as we can think, we can be forward thinking with the music and we can be progressive. We're also going to be quite limited coming out of lockdown over what we can play because the COVID regulations are still going to be in place, you know. the volume of the music you can play is going to be different so it means straight away you can't play rattling techno at 89 db it just doesn't work it's it's interesting you say that paul because when i did social avenue um gisburn Gisburn, um but, but both of them um i was expecting to be playing like more throwback or mellow more disco housey stuff grooves and just people wanted to groove about yeah. But they didn't. Yeah. They wanted okay. to have it, even though okay. it was quieter. They wanted to kind of have an opportunity to to let rip. Yeah. Even because they had a few hours. Let's go. And we're going home soon. <laughs> you know. And I was really surprised um, that they wanted the, that kind of energy release. Okay. So yeah, it was. I was wasn't ready for it, so I had to go the kind of the other way. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, yeah. that's optimistic. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm just seeing the two posh to dance or something. just just taking it back a couple of conversations ago i think the one element that i think that people maybe now might appreciate and and this is a a divisive kind of subject is that i don't think you should underestimate the fact that your audience shares the music that they're listening to in a club with their friends and amplifies it i mean there's Mm. been a massive thing about put your phones away enjoy the music and whatever and i've not subscribed to that I've seen the growth of a lot of DJs off of the fact that their audience shares the fact when they're playing a big record yeah. and that brings in more pe- more and more people. They're not just sharing the experience of the DJ that's in, they're sharing the music, music. that they're loving as well. Yeah. And then they, they they take those records and yeah. they drop them into their Spotify playlist. That's when the churn and the algorithm really starts to, mm-hmm. to happen. And that's really, really powerful. And, and the, the, the people that have, you know, 
put your phones away are normally of an older generation, I would say. Mm. I, I, I've got, you know, a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a, there's no way I can tell them to put their phones away. They're just like <laughs> that. You're just being an old fossil, you know, it's just, just be away with you and whatever. And I, and I should imagine that most, you know, young kids feel pretty much the same. That's the way that they share their experiences. Yeah. Um, and I think that that really um, helped the promotion of club records pre-pandemic. Um, so maybe there's going to be a little bit more tolerance towards that. Um, I'm the same as you, say. Si. I'm not resistant to that at all. If somebody puts the phone up and she jams a, a record I'm playing and it's like a defective record or one of mine or something, and then they can buy it on the spot, then they can go home and share that experience. The whole point of making music is to have it be heard by as many it. people as possible. Share it. That's the point. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Sai. You know, forward only. We we've we've done some research and and the people that share music is a really important in people in your life. For someone to to take ownership of a record and love it so much and recommend it to you and then and then you like that is a real personal exchange. Between people, I go back to the days when I, you know, I know, I know it was a long time ago, I'd make cassettes for people and they'd yeah. really, really appreciate it. It's, it's just the same. It's just on a different medium now. Yeah. Now you make a playlist for people and you share it. And also there's a mood thing as well. So like often I get asked for playlists for running or playlists to chill out to. And so people want to have that curation where they don't have to think about that and it's just handed to them in a form of a Spotify playlist and you share the link and it's done. One thing I will say, I had a conversation recently with a friend at Polydor and they had said that the pandemic had actually meant that dance music with them was thriving because they cannot sell any other genre of music at the moment. For them, they've been told by the big bosses, get the next dance record, get the next dance record. And this will probably be like my final question to you guys so we're gonna have to wrap it up soon but would you say even though we have had to adapt and change would you say amongst other genres of music dance music has thrived during the pandemic or not well, i've had i've had absolutely zero problem making a radio show and dance music all the way through the pandemic i've had new tracks every month really good really strong good tracks so i would say um, positives I was going to say in the pop in the sort of pop world, it's literally one-off dance records and then uh, Afro, Afro and drill. It's like literally anything which, which has already got. It's almost like if you've already got an audience, if they're coming from somewhere, if it's coming from a scene, then that scene can amplify it enough to take it to that level where then the pop people who just like whatever's been pushed to them, the <laughs> passive, the passive listener, shall we say, will then grab onto it. But anything where you've got to build a community from from day one. Forget about it. So a new artist, it must have been impossible to break a new artist during yeah. this period of time. I think that is pretty evident. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. From my point of view, yeah. there's tons of music. You know, there's more music today than we've had. Uh, you know, it's in fact we've had to expand all of our listings. You know, on Weekend Weapons and Hype Chart to accommodate so many releases from so many labels, really to support the artists and the labels. But it's clear that uh, there's plenty of great music out there. So. Agreed. Yep. Well, I mean, we've still got five minutes. So I suppose my last question for you guys would be, what do you wish for artists in dance music right now? A potload of money from a, a hit record. That's what I wish for all my friends who are artists. Good luck to you all and happy streaming. You know, just really, um, 
I wish for everyone that they manage to achieve like whatever collaborations they do, they manage to achieve the end game in making a really beautiful hit record. But that's here to stand as a testament maybe to this time, you know, so we can look back on that record and go, oh yeah, dope, that was a really good memory from that really shit year. I hope everyone gets to make a good memory from a really bad year. Yeah, I would say that, um, <laughs> I guess, to the sort of the DJs that were first coming up in the scene or they were first starting, those are the ones that I'm actually worried about the most. I'm obviously worried about all my friends, but the ones that are established, I think we're lucky that we're established in this moment in time. And the younger generation, it's almost, it's almost seen as a bit of a discouragement to become a DJ or to become something creative right now because, you know, the way that the, our, our government backed it, it, it didn't seem like a... A justifiable job right now mm. so it's the young it's the young people actually essentially that I'm more worried about and what I would say is you know this is going to come back it's going to come back in the most exciting way that we've seen it in 10 or 15 years 30 years even so do not feel discouraged you know go mm. away work at your craft come back and when you when we do come back it's going to be amazing whenever that mm. is true I uh oh go ahead sorry I, I know the, sorry I know the people that seem to have suffered most during the pandemic and the lockdown are the people that relied solely upon touring um, and haven't been made because literally their income stream just stopped. And the people that seem to have, have, have adapted and, 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 and written it out better, the people that had the balance between touring and recording and writing and had balance to their lives. So I just hope that when we, when we get back to, to a normality, that people don't just revert and go, I'm on the road again now and, and I don't mm. understand the value of music. I think this has proved how important music is to people and how much it needs to be valued. And people should just invest their time you know and i know agents make money when their artist is on the road but you we've all watched the avici documentary about there's a burnout within certain djs and and djs need a break so maybe the balance for them is spending time a little bit arrested spending time in the studio and making their money on the road that's kind of where, where i'd love to, to, to see the scene yeah uh, i agree with that <clears throat> just go out and make music get inspired and inspire other people i think i think you're right for me I mean, I don't know how many how prolific you need to be, but I do think three, four songs a week is a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate. No, I think you're be a popular guy. I'm anyway. saying it's like go in. Do you know what I mean? It's like they don't have to be. Everyone doesn't have to be amazing, but you learn from bad songs as well. You learn like yeah, yeah. and just can't, just keep finishing records and don't and then make go on to the next one and to the next one and then. I think that's like if you look, take away dance me. If you look at all the disco, if you look at the music before us. You look how many songs they'd made. You look at even it's like, and now we've got the technology. It's not like they had to record, they had to mix. We can do it in, in, on the laptop on a flight. So it's like there is no excuse. Just go in and make yeah, music. Yeah. Uh, quickly from Brian and Yusuf, just a final thought on artists. Brian? I I just like to see people, you know, um, really engage in their creativity to. Uh, dive a little deeper and stretch themselves. You know, songwriting is a craft that takes time and energy to learn it. And, uh, but I think it pays dividends over time. And I think that uh, with collaborative tools, uh, you know, do a good job, you know, try. 
cover stuff even, you know, there's so many great songs out there. You know, I'd like to see people just embrace their sort of authentic self in whatever way that comes out. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, th I think for me, um, I think it would be a time for great reflection as well, rather than kind of look at what we haven't got. Most of us have had a 20 year career here. A lot of us have any anyway. And just to kind of reflect upon the amazing amount of highlights and excitement and relationships and places we've been and take that kind of um, positive energy into going forward rather than kind of running uphill. Just keep, put your mindset in a place of, uh, you know, we've had a good, we've had a good time. This is a low point. Let's move forward. That's the way I'm saying it. The one thing you said there, positive. Positive. Energy. I was going to say the same. Positive energy. Too much yeah. energy. And, you know, go, going on and it's just like, uh, we can we can change the world with positivity. Yeah, agreed. I totally agree with that. Totally I, agree. I like I think that's a really lovely way to round up this conversation as well on a lovely positive high note. Thank you so much, everyone, for your amazing thoughts and just like yeah, being conversational about this and 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 having this chat today. I know I think personally it's going to help a lot of people, and I know a lot of people are going to really learn from this. Um, and so good to see all your wonderful faces as well. Um, all of these panels are going to be available on defects.com and there will be lots of information on the Defected Twitter page if you want to see the other conversations that are happening. Um, until then, keep safe, keep positive and we'll see you all soon.